So we actually made a second episode for once. So we made it further than a lot of other podcasts do. Um, welcome to the Easily Distracted Podcast. I am Aaron. I'm Trevor. Uh, so how have you been, Trevor, since last time we got together? Uh, doing better. As you know, I uh, took some time off from work because I had... Uh issues with my feet and with my profession wearing safety shoes and everything was not helping so my feet are 85 percent better than they were before i put in pto well that's good i hope they get better then i hope so too (laughs) we went to the zoo uh my wife and my kids and i we all went to the zoo uh yeah kids really weren't having it this time though so it wasn't wasn't as fun as it could have been what about uh what about labor day plans you got any labor day plans um the only thing that i have as far as labor day plans right now is we're planning on seeing my great grandmother because she's uh not doing too good right now there apparently she's not eating and not sleeping and i think she's she hit 100 back in April, so I think she's just kind of given up. Oh, that's sad to hear that. I'm sorry. Well, uh, PopCon was this past weekend, and I didn't get to go. Um, I'm not too upset. I like going to cons. Um, I've gone to, oh, I can't remember how many I've gone to. It's been one or two a year for the past four or five years, so probably like eight to ten probably. There's about three here in Indy that, three major ones here in Indy. There's a couple of smaller ones, but we have a Indy Comic Con, uh, Indy Pop Con, and Gen Con. I didn't. I stopped going to Gen Con because it's way too expensive. Um, just the tickets alone are for a day are about the price you can get for a three or four day pass for the other two cons. So I either go. I figured that you would keep going since I wouldn't be there to embarrass you. <laughs> yeah, well, not th- not not this time. <laughs> the one time I went to Gen Con with you, literally within the first half an hour we were there, found Borderlands cosplayers, a cosplayer playing Krieg and a cosplayer playing Tiny Tina, and I decided it would be fun to get into a 20-minute screaming match with the cosplayer where him and I were screaming nipple salads at each other while the lady playing Tiny Tina was getting pissed at me for agging him on because he didn't want to break character. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was funny. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I... I really like going to cons, though. Like, I remember the first time I went to one, um, just being like, oh my god, everyone here is a complete nerd like I am. Everyone here is into most of the same stuff I am, if not more. And it's just a really weird experience when you realize that. It's just a really weird feeling just to look around and be like, all these, like, thousands of people, because... Um, if you haven't been to the Indianapolis Convention Center, it is huge. It's one of the bigger ones in the country as far as I'm aware. So that's why a lot of the big cons are here. Like Gen Con's a huge convention. Um, 
Uh, there's a bunch of others. They're not like nerd conventions, but there's a bunch of conventions that they, they hold there. It's huge. So there's like thousands, thousands and thousands of people there. And they're all just big dirt nerds like we are. So I, I like going for the experience of uh, being around other people that are like just not afraid to be stupid nerds like we are. But I also like uh, a lot of the, you can get a lot of unique merch there. A lot of the vendors will have stuff that you don't really find anywhere in most of the decorations in this house that we're in is full of that kind of stuff. We got it all from cons. And some of my favorite collectibles I've gotten from conventions. Uh, I think what first time I went to Gen Con was in 2015 with my cousin who I had just gotten reacquainted with. We went and at one of the stands I found the complete mainframe edition of reboot i remember when you got that i remember th- i remember when you showed me the box or that i'm like oh my god i haven't heard about that show in a long time and another one of my favorite collectibles i don't remember if it was that specific convention or when you and i went a year or so later i found and it was one of Back in the day when we used to watch Toonami and when they had a shorter anime series, instead of just saying that it was a series, they called it a mini-series, a a limited run that they were going to do. I found the complete collection for, uh, uh, what is it, Blue Submarine 6. That's on my list of stuff I want to watch. Yeah, I I remember that. It's like, it's about like six episodes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's six episodes long. Uh, so I, w- I wanted to go to PopCon because there's actually quite a few celebrities I wanted to see, but um, I usually won't wait in line to get a picture with them or anything. I'll usually go if if they if uh, it's someone I want to see, I'll check and see if they're doing like a Q and A panel, and I'll go to that. And I figured you'd go because I know what weeks ago I sent you an article on Facebook where Kid Icarus was supposed to be there, yep, Kid- and I know you're a big fan of Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus and um, the voice actor that played plays uh, Mace Hughes from Fullmetal Alchemist, because that's one of my favorite animes. He was going to be there. Um, oh, I can't remember who all was going to be there. There's a bunch of Power Rangers that were going to be there, but I don't remember. I don't recognize most of them. Um, but yeah, there were actually quite a few, more, more than usual people that I would have wanted to see, but it just didn't work out. Scheduling and uh, financially didn't really work out. and I was, I'm fine. I don't have to go to every convention that comes to town. One of the one of the big things I like doing when I go to the conventions though is that me and my wife will usually try. We don't always get to do it, but we usually try to cosplay um, some of the stuff we've done in the past. Like we did um, Wesley and Buttercup, Buttercup from uh, Princess Bride, and that was probably one of my favorites because I got one of my favorite reactions from somebody coming up wanting a picture. Because she comes up and asks us if we can have a picture, and I turned her on and was like, "As you wish." And she just gets, she looks like she's about to cry. And she's like, oh my God, he said it. And that was just like one of my favorite reactions I've ever gotten out of somebody. Because I didn't intend to like, I didn't intend to make her so happy. She wanted to cry for some some reason. I was just replying in a way that made sense for the cosplay I was wearing. Because I'm not like in character the whole time when I'm cosplaying. I know some people like to do that. I, I just can't do that. Like, mentally, I can't stay in character that long. Um, so I have a lot of good memories doing that. Um, cosplaying, cosplaying with my wife. I actually cosplayed with my son once. We, um, My wife couldn't make it that year, but I went as a 
um, Seymour from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And I wore my son in the baby carrier and my wife like put like fabric around it to make it look like a flower pot. And then we got him a green hoodie and put little teeth on it to make him look like a little. And she put a sign on it that said, eat me or uh, feed me. Sorry, feed me. One of the ideas that Chris has come up with, and I haven't necessarily shot it down. It's just, I don't think it would look right for me because it would imply that I need to dye my beard and actually wear a wig. But one of the things that she would like to do, she's she's like, I've had dreads in the past, but she would like us to, she would like to do a cosplay of... Um, her being Izumi Curtis, me being oh. the husband, and then dressing T up as Edward. Why not? Um, well, I guess it depends what version, because Wrath's not in, or Wrath's a different character completely in Brotherhood, but, because mm-hmm. he's technically in, at least the first iteration, he's their unborn son, basically. Right. But... <clears throat> That's, you know, having him be an unborn son's kind of morbid now that I think about it. Well, I think at the time, especially now that uh, Timmy's red hair is becoming more prominent, the strawberry blonde is becoming more evident. <laughs> at the time, it was just blonde, so that made sense that, you know, Edward's blonde, he's blonde at the moment, he's still a baby, so it's just, you know, baby Edward. You know who you should be. Oh, you would have to dye your hair and shave your beard, so you probably wouldn't do it. But uh, I can see you, just because your personality, being uh, Ichigo's dad and making him be Ichigo. <laughs> oh, from Bleach. You see, I I would need to finish Bleach at this point because, like, I know I know the backstory, but I don't know that character very well. But I, I remember the fact that he was very overbearing and goofy at the beginning of the series. You care if I give you a spoiler? It might not be a spoiler for you. Um, if you're talking about the fact that he used to be a soul reaper yeah. and that, uh, and that uh, quite a few of the members of the soul society that end up helping him are actually family members, I already know that. Okay, I wasn't sure how far you got, because that's a decent way into the story. I didn't, the last, so the last thing that I remember is I was right at, like, like the apex of the fight between Ichigo and Green Jow. That's, do you, have you seen his transformation yet? Because I yes. haven't. Okay. Yeah. And you saw his hollow form. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, because that's like the first time that comes out, I think, and he basically just like, Mops the floor with green gel after that. No, I, I literally had a conversation with Chris while watching like a bit of Thousand Year Blood War because I've only seen bits and pieces because I'll walk in on her watching it. And I mentioned that and she sits there and smiles at me and I'm like, what? And she's like, You'll Ichigo see. didn't kill green gel. I'm like, he became the goddamn Vegeta of Bleach, didn't he? Sort of. <laughs> That's kind of like Ichigo's hidden power, is he makes everyone become his friend, basically. Oh, I thought you were going to say he, be- he makes everybody become Vegeta. <laughs> oh, essentially, I guess. If you, <laughs> depends how you think about it. I mean, if you want to really get down to it, technically Piccolo did it first. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> get it? Just saying? Yeah, but that was also because he... Uh... 
he uh, weirdly kidnapped Goku's son and then became very attached to Gohan. Still, he's still a good guy now. And now he can go Super Saiyan, quote-unquote. Better dad than Goku. Goodness. So, uh, what have you been watching? What have you been playing? Um, uh, what have you been watching, Trevor? Are you still watching uh, Yu Yu Hakusho? Um, I've been kind of flipping back and forth between things. Um, as far as non-anime related, I just started uh, The Good Doctor, which uh, I'm very... Yeah, that the the one with the dog. He's autistic. He is. He is autistic, and he has savant syndrome. Yeah. So yeah, I've been heavily getting into that. I've seen clips of that, and it looks really good. Oh yeah, from what I've seen, it is very good, and I feel that they. I don't know a lot of adults with autism, but I feel with the way that they played out the character, they obviously did a whole lot of research. That's good. As far as anime related, this is something that Chris and I will throw on if, you know, we don't want to invest in something new. But uh, um, we've been rewatching Erased, which uh, if you haven't watched it, it is kind of like a like a suspense mystery thriller. So it follows a um, 29 year old which his name is Satoru, and he was trying to be a... That was my stomach. (laughs) Um, He is a struggling manga artist who uh, works at a pizza place, and he has this ability that he's had since childhood, and he calls it uh, revival. And essentially what it is, is he'll be doing something... And then time will reverse from anywhere to, like, one to five minutes. And he has to figure out what went wrong in that time frame. And, like, he does it, he does it at least twice in, in the first episode where, like, the first time he gets it right and fixes the problem and it ends him up in the hospital but the second time he is with his mother, who his mother, you know, is a, um, she used to be a journalist, so she likes to run down the leads. He, uh, they're coming out of a store, and there are a lot of children around, and the, the moment happens, and, like, it's literally, I gotta figure out what's going on. And it's like, hey, mom, do you notice something not, not right here? And it's like, She's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, kind of think of it. You used to do this all the time when you were a kid. So she doesn't know. She doesn't know that he has this ability, but she picks up on... He knows something bad's going to happen. She picks up on something's happening, but he doesn't realize it. She goes to look into it. Essentially, what the series boils down to is what happened that day. Like, he goes to work. She's been staying with him temporarily. Uh... He comes home from work to find his mother murdered in his apartment. And someone has called the police. Like, he's covered in her blood because he's in disbelief that she's stabbed on his floor, bleeding out. And the police are already on their way. Um, So someone set him up? Someone set him up, and revival kicked in. 
but it sent him instead of sending him five minutes it sent him 18 years into the past back to when he was 11 years old okay i now that you're saying that i think i remember seeing trailers for it vaguely but i i think i know what you're talking about but but to to prevent this whole thing his revival sent him back to when he was 11 where there was a there was at least three children his age two of them he went to school with that were that were killed and went or that were missing went or bleh, went missing and were found dead and he didn't know anything or like he either didn't really know what happened or you know they since they were a tight-knit community they kept it very hush hush with the children and he forgot about it up until like right before his mother died jeez and like yeah literally the entire series is he has to he has to figure out how to fix things so that he can go back and it it's a really good series and they do a lot of they do a lot of really cool things with it like uh the way that they the way that they do murderous intent malicious intent they have the characters eyes colored red okay. when they are when they were in like when they're in a moment of like malicious intent is that like just for us just as the viewer to know that just person's... for just for us the viewer to okay. know okay that actually sounds like something i'm i'm going to want to check out um so for me i did not finish uh Castlevania, like I said, I was going to last time. Um, I did what I used to do when I discovered some some of my more favorite animes. Like uh, I did the same thing when I discovered uh, Soul Eater. Is I just went on to uh, Netflix and picked, not quite at random. I kind of scrolled through the anime section and just decided on something to watch. And I uh, started watching uh, Psyche King, and it's. Actually, I actually really enjoyed it. It uh, reminds me a lot of like the anime you would come across in like the '90s. Just the way they tell the story, well, the way it's written. It's written like a '90s anime, but it was done in like two. It was done in, like 2012 or something like that. I want to say I, I didn't write it down. It's not in my notes. Um, but basically, it's about a uh, high schooler. He, uh, if you've probably seen pictures of him, he's got pink hair and he's got like these antenna with little balls on the end of him coming out of his for out of a, his head um those are supposed to be like limiters for the abilities that he has but um he's a high schooler he and he has like a crap ton of supernatural powers mm-hmm. um and he's like super powerful that's why he has the limiters but um it kind of reminds me of uh, one punch man because he had he's super powerful but he just wants to live a normal life and kind of just not be bothered by anything which you kind of can't do because, like, I, I got like a quick. Let's go, let me go through a quick list of all the powers he has. He has super strength, telepathy, psychokinesis, teleportation, transformation, pyrokinesis, clairvoyance, hypnosis, uh, psycho uh, telemetry, and temporal re- rewind. And that's just the ones that we've. That's been uh, revealed to, to the point of the story that I'm in because I haven't finished it yet. Oh my I'm god! Sorry. Okay, if you can't hear it, Trevor's over there ripping ass. <laughs> Um, it's, better, base- it's better than the other day when, uh, especially since I said uh, with uh, 
with the pizza that we had earlier in the week on nights, I was backed up. I was literally burping up a storm, so I'm like, I'm over here being Rick Sanchez, so I was like, just burping, Morty! Well, I'm glad you're far enough across the table that I can't smell any of that yet. <laughs> anyway, um, some of those powers have like a sub-powers like telepathy. He has um, what he calls force telepathy, where he can actually connect two or more other people together where they can hear each other's thoughts and he does this for like um i don't know if it's the first episode but it's one of the first episodes um his parents are arguing like you like his she changed the locks and locked him out of the house and he's like yelling at her because psyche comes home and he's locked out too so he uses his powers to let himself in which lets his dad in at the same time he wasn't trying to help his dad he didn't care but he, he wanted in the house so he used his power to unlock the door and uh he can't turn his telepathy off. So he's always hearing what people are thinking. So his mom and dad are sitting there fighting and yelling at each other, but he can tell, hear their thoughts and they're actually madly in love with each other still and just don't want to admit it to each other. So they're acting like they're mad. And apparently that's how they've always been. Because uh, uh, Psyche Cake's kind of narrating, sort of, because he's kind of like not really breaking the fourth wall, but peeking over it every once in a while. It's more like a writer's convenience type thing than him actually breaking the fourth wall. Right. But the, this series does it a little bit here and there, and that's kind of one of the things that reminds me of the 90s animes, because they would kind of do that too. But um, what, like is, it, what is a phrase <clears throat> that Chris always likes to use when I'm watching something? Oh, yeah. Budget-saving animation! <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he uses his... Uh, he gets tired of listening to them argue in hearing their thoughts in their head that they actually really love each other. So he uses his forced telepathy so they hear each other's thoughts and then they're fine and they're all like lovey-dovey with each other. Um, I actually recognized a voice this time. Uh, I listened to it dubbed, so it's the English voice. Um, if I can, I'll listen to it dubbed mostly just because it's more convenient for me with being able to do stuff around the house. So if you have a problem with me listening to it dubbed, I'm sorry. That's just what I'm going to do if it's available. But uh, his dad is uh i can't remember his name dang it the vo uh, voice of android 17 and stein from soul eater uh you've also forgot uh another one not anime related uh he is the former president or handsome jack's boss in borderlands oh i i didn't play borderlands 2 as much as you did he doesn't have a lot of audio, yeah, or I, audio, I but like they literally, what is his name? Tassiter. Tassiter was Jack's direct superior, and you hear more from him in pre-sequel, because pre-sequel mm. takes place before. I didn't get into pre-sequel as much. I didn't like it as much. I can see why people didn't like it, but I liked the story elements, because... I, I it, liked the story. I just didn't like it. It didn't... I just didn't get into it as much as I did Borderlands 2. It, uh, it, I can't really put my finger on why. I just, for some reason, just didn't like it as much. Right. It's and, well, yeah. Because oh, I was going to say, uh, I also, I do, I do know, I did recognize uh, Torg's voice as the same guy who does English voice for Hercule. From and Dragon then, and then, since you brought up uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, um, Android Seventeen, Stein, mm -hmm. and he's also and a, he is he also Hiei's voice. Yeah. I do remember the thing. I do remember that. Um, uh, where was I? Uh, there's also, like I, I mentioned teleportation, he also has what he, with, um, apportation, which is, um, just think, uh, Full Metal Alchemist equivalent exchange. He has an object, he wants, 
he can, if it's within his range, he can use clairvoyance to find where it's at. And then he can switch, he can teleport that object to him, but he has to send something that has to swap places with something that he has on him of equal value. This is why I wish I can remember characters' names. Because I don't know if you've watched any Jujutsu Kaisen. No, it's on my list. That's probably why I'll be watching. So there is so there is a character um, that you meet near the end of Season 1 that uh, his curse ability is he can swap people and or objects for one another. Gotcha. So very, very similar to what you're talking about. Like he uses it in... Uh, there's a part where him and Itadori are fighting a curse. And they, he uses that to his advantage where he will sit there and swap himself. Or he'll swap Itadori. Or he swaps the curse to throw to throw the curse spirit like off of off of its balance and everything. So he basically has the Renegon. Pretty much, in a sense. <laughs> At least the way uh, Sasuke uses it. He's uh, also a big meathead. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for some reason, and this is kind of a Japanese thing, um, he, uh, Psyche, the, the main character, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's his, that's his, actually his last name, but most of the characters are referred to by their last name in this show, which is also a very Japanese thing, but, um, he, his, like, he has, like, a favorite treat, and it's coffee-flavored, je- like, jello, which is really weird. And he says, oh, and, and if you put like a little dollop of whole milk on top of it, it changes the flavor even more. But like, that's his thing. He likes coffee flavored desserts. So he's shopping and he's like, I can buy this many uh, of this brand for this much, but this many has, like I can buy six. This one has eight. And he's like, oh, well, this one's, the quantity is lower. So I'm getting, I'm not getting more. I'm actually getting less. And then he looks up and like, he can get one for like 3,000 yen. And that's like his entire allowance. And he's like, who would pay 3,000 yen for one coffee jelly? And it shows him walking out the store with the bag, and it does a little thing where it zooms in on the bag and does like an, an x-ray, and he's like, and it shows that jello in his bag. He's like, I would. <laughs> and then later, uh, and he's walking, walking home, and he runs across um, one of the, his classmates, um, and they're talking, and then a, a tennis or a baseball comes over and... I think hits the bag and almost uh, ruins his jello and he gets mad. So he, when no one's looking, he uses his power to launch the ball away. Well, come to find out, uh, I, just a few seconds later, a kid comes over looking for the ball and he's getting all upset. So his friend is trying to help him find it. And Psyche starts to feel bad, I guess. So he uses his uh, clairvoyance to find it. And it's in the ocean, basically. And he's like, well, I can just apport it here. So he gets puts all of his stuff out. He's like, it's so, something here has got to be worth what that ball is. And um, it cuts to uh, his friend and the boy looking for the ball. And he's like, I gotta find that ball. He's like, we can just buy you another one. He's like, no, that ball's signed by some baseball player. I heard my dad say it's worth three thousand yen. And then you see Psyche coming around the corner holding the ball. And then it cuts to the ocean and his and his jello is floating like floating in the ocean. <laughs> Remind me what 3,000 yen equates to. I don't remember. I don't know what the exchange rate is. It's... I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I feel like 3,000 yen isn't that much money. I don't think it is either, because I used to do um, shipping, or international shipping, and I had to, when we shipped to Japan, I had to input the, the prices in as yen, and I had to manually find the exchange rate because uh, our system didn't have it saved or didn't automatically do it, and it wasn't... Yeah, it was... Um, 
But like I say, he just wants to go on and not have anybody bother him. He's really apathetic towards everything because uh, since he can't turn off his telepathy, um, nothing really surprises him because there's this time when his parents are coming up to ask him something and he knows, he says, I know bef like before they even get here that they're coming in what they want because he can't turn his telepathy off. So nothing really surprises him and he's really, he's just really apathetic towards everything. But uh, there's one character who he can't read their mind, and I'll get to that person here in a minute. But um, And another reason he wants to try to uh, not use his powers all that much or try to keep a low key is because his parents, mostly his dad, will try to non-maliciously but still take advantage of him uh, his powers. Because mm -hmm. there's like a scene where his dad's trying to rearrange furniture in their house. And he keeps asking Psyche, hey, can you move this bed for me with your powers? Hey, can you do this for me with your powers? He's like, and him and his wife are, ta are talking and they're like, that, uh, this, this room would be so much bigger and we'd be able to use it so much more if we just knock this wall down. Psyche, can you knock this wall down for us? And he's like, fine. So he knocks the wall down for him. And then a few minutes later, they're like, oh, wait, we, shouldn't, we, should, we could have uh, done this and this with these two rooms and knocked this wall over here down. $20? Wow. Apparently, 3,000 yen is $20.5, so $20.50. I don't know if that exchange rate's changed since the episode was recorded. But I, I don't know. That's why, I was, that's why I've been looking at you weird while you were telling the story, because I, <laughs> I went to actually... Exchange rate. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, what, what's funny is he kind of gets back at him, because uh, they ask him to use his temporal re rewind power to uh, fix the wall, so they can knock down the other wall, and he's like, are you sure? He's like, just remember, you asked for this. So he uses his rewind, and what that what he what he does when he does that is he doesn't uh, he, it rewinds something to the point that it was twenty four hours ago. So he uses it, but since he's fixing the wall, what he's actually doing is he's doing it to the whole house. So all the stuff that he just moved gets moved back to where it was twenty four hours ago. So it's not necessarily the wall; it's since the wall is part of it's the, house. the entire. It's fixing the entire infrastructure and everything within the infrastructure. So basically, the wall, all the furniture, and everything he just moved—it just moved. He just moved it all back, and like, um, it's kind of neat because it's really unique how we can use how this power works. Because there's another scene later where he uses it on a classmate because he has like a stomach virus or something to make his stomach virus go away because they're on a class trip. And he, he's like, he feels bad for the guy. He's like, I don't want him to miss the class trip because of stomach virus. He's like, I'll help him. But 24 hours later, he's got stomach cramps again because he didn't take he didn't make the virus go away. He just put it back to the state it was 24 hours ago. So, <laughs> so the virus is still there. It just works its way through his system again. Then so then he gets cramps again. You dirty tease. <laughs> well, he does it twice. Oh God! Because the trip's three days long. Oh fuck! So he does it twice, and then on the on the third day, he's like, I'm not fixing it again. He's like. He's like he 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 needs to get rid of it anyway, but he's like I'm not fixing it again. Fixing it again. So then he goes and gets a teacher, and the teacher comes in. So yeah, um, it's hard to kind of convey how overpowered Psyche is because like like I talked about the school trip. On the way to the school trip, the plane started having issues. So I mentioned he has these limiters that are like attached to his head. So he uses his teleportation. Because he can also levitate. So he teleports below the plane and is pretty much flying underneath the plane. Takes one of his limiters out, carries the plane, 
so that they can get to their trip because he has, because otherwise they're just going to crash in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous like that. And like then he just like teleports back into the bathroom of the plane or something like that and acts like he was in there the whole time because he has to pretend he doesn't or find ways to make it look like he doesn't have powers. Psyche, where where were you the entire time? I'll, I'll poop him. <laughs> well, it's I don't know why. Well, not the fact that you said poop him, but the fact that you just mentioned him speaking. One of the things that I'm still trying to figure out is um, when he speaks, his lips don't move. He speaks te- he speaks telepathically, but it's never made clear, except for when he's talking to his parents because his parents know about his powers. It's never made clear if he's actually ta- talking to that character te- uh, telepathically or if it's just his thoughts. Because the way that they write all the, so far, the way all the interactions have gone, it doesn't really matter the way that uh, the characters react. Because it's like, for example, they'll be sitting there talking and mentioning something. And he's like, that's not the way that, that, that happens. He's like, that's not the way it is either. But the person's still talking and is going on. So it's like, uh, you don't know if, he, if they're just ignoring him, if they didn't hear him, if he's just thinking. I've seen it a few times like that, but it's just really... I feel like they did it really well because you could never tell if he's actually talking to them and they just don't realize he's never using the, moving his lips. The only time he actually moves his lips is when it's not really him. He hypnotized someone to um, think someone else was him. So that person goes, oh, wow, and actually moves his lips and everything. And it's like, I'm like, oh, my God, he actually spoke. And then it reveals, oh, he was just uh, one of the, his other classmates that he... Uh, because one of his classmates knows that he has powers because one of his classmates is, is a medium and can see ghosts, which is like the only power that Psyche doesn't have. He can't see ghosts. And the ghosts told him that Psyche has super, supernatural powers. <laughs> Why am I all of a sudden getting flashbacks to Clay's clothes, Detective Conan, where he, where he knocks out the, the, <laughs> the detective and then hides behind something and then use the, uses the voice changer? Yeah. <laughs> Uses the, I think I think it's actually his bow tie. I think the 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 watch is actually the, uh, the, is the knockout the, dart or whatever. Yeah, but it's like he always it's he always like falls into a chair with he his al- legs crossed and there's something. So he always like, falls into a chair and his head's always down, so no one so can actually. Like he looks like he's thinking, and yeah, like, no one can actually see that he's. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, so obviously, voice acting that character is extremely easy because so far there's not any voice flaps to match. You just have to match the timing for the reactions, and that's it. But um, oh, so basically the plot is just there's not really a huge overarching story, at least so far. I'm not. I'm probably about halfway through the first season. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like a hundred and something episodes, and then they have a sequel series. Um, they're both on Netflix. They're both uh, in Japanese and in English fully. Um, the plot, basically, for the first series, uh, Psyche and the Disastrous Life of Psyche, I believe, is the full title. Um, Psyche Reawakened is the sequel series. Um, it kind of revolves around his school life, mostly. A little, bit, a little bit at home, but basically it's his school life and it's the struggles of a typical high schooler with the supernatural powers piled on top of that, trying to hide it from everybody. So essentially, it would be if you were trying to find this if you couldn't remember what it was actually called if you're looking for like taglines it would be slice of life and supernatural yeah that that's probably the best 
ones that it falls under because it doesn't really have a whole lot of action. Like I mentioned, it reminds me of uh, One Punch Man, but there's not like a whole lot of action. Um, it's more like the scenes from One Punch Man where he's like trying to smack the mosquito, but he's like, boom, and it's like walls are cracking, and then by the end, I think he knocks down an entire building or something like that, mm. and then like it blows his clothes off and he's butt naked. So it has like that kind of humor behind it. Yeah, and and I haven't seen anything like that that surprised me so much that I really liked. So I'm sure some people are gonna watch it and not like it, but. I was surprised with how much I liked it, I guess. But it basically, like, um, if all, each episode is kind of uh, a day in Psyche's life, there's some stuff that floats over between episodes, but really you could jump into this on just about any episode and not be too confused. There's some some stuff that happens that, yeah, the, you, you know this character does this in another episode or whatnot, but, um, like, for example, one of the characters uh, has a crush on Psyche, and he can read her mind, so he she know he knows she has a crush on him, but she has a boyfriend, and she but she is not she doesn't like her boyfriend anymore. She, he's annoying her, so she keeps thinking of ways to try to have an excuse to talk to Psyche and get close to him. And since he could read her mind, he knows exactly what she's going to do. So he uses his his abilities in really subtle ways, so that every time she tries to, it fails. Like she tries, she waits by the corner and acts like she's going to run around the corner real quick and run into him. So um, he. I can't remember exactly what he does, but he like makes her drop her books or something. And when she's picking up her books, he jumps over her and keeps walking. So then when she finally picks her books up and looks, he's past her. She's good. She tries to play hanky panky and drop, tries to drop her hanky, but he uses his uh, psychokinesis and makes it fly back into her pocket. I mean, does he? I, I guess since he is the main character, does he kind of have like a complex where you know, with his powers, he's better than everybody else so like he or does he just not have any interest he just doesn't have any interest he hasn't he's not arrogant or anything or or anything like that he really really all he wants is just to be just to not have to deal with with things gotcha and not and he doesn't want to stand out he doesn't want to draw attention to himself he just wants to be pretty much just wants to be left alone but he has all these abilities and some of them he can't control so he has to be careful and he so he doesn't get close to people And he doesn't really act like he wants to get close to people. With that being said, uh, there are several uh, main characters. I don't really feel like I need to go into all of them. I have all of them written down, but I don't think I need to go into all of them. They basically all fall into, like, stereotypical character roles. Like, you have... um, uh, I will go into Nindo. Nindo, I would classify as the clueless idiot. Um, He kind of declares himself as Psyche's best friend. And kind of is after a while um he's also the character who i mentioned before who psyche like can't read his mind and pretty much the reason he can't read his mind psyche says is he's so stupid that he doesn't have any th- any thoughts going on in his head for for psyche to read and he is kind of dumb he's not he, he does he's not portrayed as that dumb but he's like the the clueless idiot he's got he's kind of a bigger guy so he's like the Dumb, strong idiot kind of. It, it kind of makes me think of. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you watched any of those. Uh, I think it's Boulder's Gate animations that I sent you. No, but I actually, I'm, I'm wanting to get Boulder's Gate three. <laughs> but uh, literally, it's supposed to be like a human and an Oni character, and it's 
literally funny. all these animations are they are in a relationship. I've seen but the comics too, on Facebook. He's too, or she's too rough with him. I've but, seen those. But like, since you mentioned the big dumb idiot and doesn't have anything worthwhile in his brain, they sat there and they did an animation where they dubbed over it, where she's like, she's like, Haru is razor focused in this moment he's not thinking anything except the task at hand and then they go to him and literally it is said life is like a hurricane here in duckburg (laughs) (laughs) essentially yeah so nindo like he's a big idiot but he has a big heart he's the one who was helping the kid try to find the baseball that i mentioned earlier gotcha um you have um, Kaido, who's the he's the gullible idiot in the conspiracy theorist. He believes that he is an agent for a, uh, a he's a rebel in a fantasy world um, ruled by a secret organization called uh, the Black Reunion. You have Terohashi, who she is like the pretty girl and or the rich girl. She's literally like all the guys in class like fawn over her, except for Psyche, and that annoys her. So she keeps trying to get Psyche to, like, at least acknowledge her. And in the process of doing that, develops a crush on him also. So she tries to do things to get put in Psyche's group when they're doing group stuff or things like that. Or insert herself into his circle of friends because she's the pretty girl and everyone everyone wants wants to be around her. So it's easy for her to, like, go through the other boys, I guess, to get to... Uh, to, to get to uh, Psyche. You have uh, Hiro, the, the class rep. He's like the extremely nice guy, basically. And my favorite, th- he, my favorite thing about him is Psyche will usually recognize him because of his butt. Be- Let me explain. Because uh, most of the time when he comes into the scene, um, that's what Psyche sees first. Like there's a, a beach scene where they go to the beach and he's running after to try to save somebody because I think he's either the lifeguard or he's trying to be a lifeguard or something. He trips in the sand and falls and his trunks slide down and his butt uh, comes out. And uh, Psyche looks over like, I know that butt. Um, there's another scene where there it's a festival, like a Japanese festival. And he is on one of the floats for one of the shrines. And he's like wearing nothing but like a loincloth, basically. Like, you know how they have like those rolled cloth cloth uh, cloths that cover. And basically from behind, it's pretty much just a piece of cloth that goes up your butt crack. So um, he's Saki's at the festival, and he looks over and he sees. He's like, "Oh, that's Kaido. I, I know that butt." So it's stuff like that, and it, it, it's always done like with like a like this kind of cute. Really, it's just really funny when they do it. And now I've got in game stuck in my head. Tony making fun of Tony making fun of Cap, and then and then Ant Man. Don't listen to him, Cap. That's America's ass. And then he sits there and knocks himself out. Sits there weirdly stares at himself on the ground, knocked out. He's right, that is America's ass. <laughs> uh, uh, you've got Yumahara. She's like the hopeless romantic. She's like she's the one who has a crush on Psyche. And uh, like I said, she was her boyfriend was annoying her, so Psyche uses his powers to like remind her boyfriend, oh, it's your, I think it's six-month anniversary. He's like, he basically just says six-month anniversary. He's like, six-month anniversary? It's like, oh, you remembered. Um, so, and then he, he does the same thing about what restaurant to go to because he's like, what restaurant should we go to? And he reads her mind and knows where she wants to go. So he says it telepathically and then he's like, what? And says it out loud. She's like, oh, you even knew where I wanted to go. So they go to the restaurant and before Psyche can even walk away, 
she's he's pissed her off enough already she leaves the restaurant and breaks up with him so she's like he's like great now i gotta worry about her coming after me again um you have mara she's the glutton the workaholic and like the um i didn't really know how to word this she's like the attractive girl that no one notices at first so like one of the scenes where they kind of peek over the fourth wall is uh the beach scene again because you have Terahashi, she comes out. Every, all the boys are waiting outside the girls' changing room for Terahashi to come out so they can see her in her bathing suit. Mm-hmm. So she comes out. She has a little pose. She gets like a camera pan and everything. And um, uh, Yamahara is embarrassed and still in the locker room. And she's like, "I dieted my uh, all uh, all winter, so I so I would have a body like uh, to show off during the beach. Why am I still sitting in here?" So she comes out and she comes out. She's like, "Hey guys, I'm here." And they're all, they're all like, "Oh hey." Hi, Yamahara. And she kind of gets pissed. Well, then uh, Mara comes out, and she's just wearing, like, a one-piece. It almost looks like her school bathing suit, except it doesn't have, like, the number on the front. Mm-hmm. And she's like, because she's the glutton, she's always eating. So she's like, sorry it took so long, guys. My bathing suit must have shrunk in the in the wash. And it's like, well, no, you just keep eating. But she's not fat. She's just... But um, then, then she gets a camera pan, and all the guys are just like, oh, hey, look at Mara. And <laughs> Yamahara... Um, uh, yeah, Yamahara is just like she's like seriously. I didn't even get a, a camera a camera pan. <laughs> so it's stuff like that that I'm talking about. That they they sprinkle those kind of little things in. That kind of reminds me because they would do that kind of stuff like during like that's one of the things I remember from like '90s anime. That and like when characters would like body parts would like get super big for you know I'm talking about like people's heads would like get huge when they were yelling at somebody and they'd punch them and they'd fly across. The, they don't do that kind of stuff any, anymore. I don't feel like. Like this for like like little gags like that. That anyway, um, there's a couple more. There's uh, uh, Tortsuki. Um, he's the the medium. He's the lecher. Every time he goes over to another guy's room, he's looking through their room trying to find their porno mags. He's like, I know you have porno mags. Where'd you hide them? And then when um, Psyche goes to him to, because uh, there's one ghost that Psyche ends up being able to see, and that's uh, Nindo's dad. Because um. Uh, Psyche and Torts, Tor, Torts, 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 I can't even say his name, Tortsuka, they uh, see Nindo shopping and he's buying like um, flowers, he's buying like cake and stuff and they're like, what is he doing? And he keeps like smiling at like dads and their kids. So they kind of get the wrong idea and thinking that he's like a creep. So they're kind of following him and they finally decide to confront him. And when they confront him, they're in front of his dad's grave. And they, the what he was buying was offerings for his dad, because his dad died before he was born. Mm. And then um, Toratsuka touches Psyche, and for some reason Psyche's able to see the ghost of his dad, of Nindo's dad. And apparently that is uh, Toratsuka's uh, uh, guardian spirit, his Nindo's dad. And then Nindo's dad won't leave him alone. So then Psyche goes to Toratsuka, and he, and I was like, "Can you do anything about this?" And he's line, he's like doing like. Um, lining up all of his porno magazines like like they're having a tournament like it's like a bracket almost for and he's trying to figure out which one's the best porno mag and he wants to use his he just wants to use his medium abilities to get rich and get women so he's kind of the opposite of psyche in that way all in all it's a pretty good anime i would i would recommend it to to pretty much anyone really because there's somebody everyone will, will find something in this anime they like unless unless all you really want is the action there's not a whole lot of action in this so yeah the episodes kind of feel like they were like a like one-off episodes, which kind of makes sense because that's the way the manga was written. It was a it was a, a weekly manga, and that's kind of 
kind of it kind of feels that way. But it was there. It's written really well, so I would recommend it. It gets easily distracting for me. So, did we talk about what we're pl- what you're playing? Uh, no. As far as what I'm playing um, here, since it's been two weeks since the last time we've recorded, I have started and finished uh, Medieval Resurrection. So that was originally a remake slash remaster port of Medieval from the PS1 era that they put on the PSP. And since they've been doing since they've been doing like the PlayStation Premium and everything else for like classics and remasters, that is one of the free games that is offered. So I never played Medieval as a child. And then when they did the PlayStation 4 remake of it, I got it just because I know that I had seen a lot about it. I absolutely loved it, so I kind of wanted to see what it played like before PS4. Funny that you mentioned that because I know you. I know the file wasn't open when I sent you my outline for what I was going to talk about, but uh, that's actually what I have on there for what I'm going to try to be playing next over oh, the next the, two weeks. The remake for Medieval. Oh, the the PS4. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'll I'll talk about. I'll either think of something else by the end of the podcast, or I'll still play that, but. Yeah, because that's exactly what I had on there. Because like, that's something that I started that I want to finish. Well, you can you can still oh, I know I you know. can still do that because I'm just talking about like what came before because mm-hmm. they did they did ports for PS5 and PS4 in the classic section. So they put it on they put it on PlayStation Network PlayStation Network and they've uh, they gave it trophies and everything. So I played through it to kind of see what the differences were and. I feel that, you know, I liked it, and they made a lot of improvements when they did the PS4 remake of it. Not to mention, you know, they changed certain things, like uh, for Resurrection, Resurrection, uh, there is a genie trapped inside Daniel Fortescue's head, whereas in the PS4 port... It is a worm that is in his head that is keeping a journal of all of the creatures that are in uh, Galamere. Must have taken some inspiration from Corpse Bread. uh, Possibly. I don't know if, like I said, I never played the original, so I don't know if the genie was in the original or the worm was in the original. I know that they changed certain things because, like, when you go to get the, uh, the dragon skin armor so that you can get into lava for and breathe fire yeah and breathe fire for the um for medieval resurrection it is literally you go to dragon island and literally dragon island is a cutscene, the boss fight and then another cutscene once you beat the dragon king and in the ps4 version it is an entire level in itself so they make it so they add they at least added more content to the PS4. I like that. It was it was still it was still pretty good. I I liked it. I don't really have a lot of critiques about it. Uh, like I said, they anything that they needed to change, they definitely knocked out of the park with the PS4 version that they did a few years ago. But I mean, it only took me like a week, but then again, like we talked about, I was on PTO for medical reasons, so like 
other than, you know, doing stuff around the house, I was literally staying at home and making sure that I didn't have shoes on so that my feet could heal. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that it's a really faithful remake to the original. Like, they only really changed... Most of the changes they made were just, like, quality of life stuff and, like, mm-hmm. obviously up- updated graphics. Because, like, <clears throat> they... And I've started playing this, so I guess I can say a little bit. I do know... Um, like even like the menu is the same as it was from the PlayStation version, like where they have the skeleton peeking around the in, the uh, tombstone and pointing and stuff like that. It's just little things like that that they they just kept in there, and because it this kind of uh, matches the whole tone of the game in general anyway, which is kind of like a comedic uh, macabre setting, really. So. I'm excited to finish playing it because I'd never finished uh, the uh, original. I did play the original and it's from my favorite era of video games, which is like the 90s PlayStation N64 era. Crash Bandicoot yeah. and Spyro. Which they also do remakes of. Yes. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm excited to try to play that too. And uh, other things, I've been playing New Tales from the Borderlands, which I've... I figured you would. Well, I mean, I talked about that. <laughs> last time around and um i know that it's gotten a lot of criticism and everything because uh from the understanding that i have was they actually brought somebody in from the original telltale team to that's what i was about to explain explain to them how to make an interactive game and maybe i'll do some more research and then we can talk about it again in two weeks because like i said plan on you know finishing it in its entirety but uh um i know one of the criticisms that it's had is that it doesn't actually play like a telltale game and that they don't like they don't do the sequences right and everything but um, didn't telltale close well that is that is the thing that i'm not sure about anymore because I I remember seeing the article where apparently they filed for bankruptcy and whatever whatever and they said that even though they were even though they were closing their doors they were still going to finish IPs that they told the fans that they were going to finish which was finishing out The Walking The Walking Dead and they were going to do the wolf among us too that's what i was going to say that 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 one was the one i liked the most but from the understanding that i have telltale just did a new series called the expanse and it's supposed to take place in outer space Hmm. oh maybe they were able to come back somehow that's some way i don't know i'd have to i'll have to look into it too and like i said i'll do more research but all i have to say is from what i have played of it thus far for new tales I enjoy it. It has the humor that Borderlands brings to the table. Um, But, you know, the way that I look at it is Borderlands may have brought someone in from Telltale to show them how to do the interactive game. That doesn't mean that they're going to completely take the formula and do it the same way. Yeah. They want to try to at least make it their own. Well, they're they're not Telltale, so yeah, they're not Telltale. You can have some money coming in and like teaching you and everything, but ultimately, it's up to you to to create something that you're proud of. So it's they're I don't know. I feel like it's if if you if you know it's not Telltale, you can't expect everything to be exactly the same way, right? 
And as, uh, as long as it's a good game, I don't really care who made it. Really, there are some developers that yeah, I like most of the games they create, but I'm not like oh this do- this w- this doesn't feel like it was made by this creator. Like if, I, if the game's good, the game's good. If it, the game sucks, the game sucks. One of the only critiques that I have, and if they do more, like if they do another. Tiny Tina's Wonderland. If we do get a Borderlands, if we do get a Borderlands four, I would like them to add this and actually do more mechanics to make it. Because like I was interested in this, and then doing the mini games for it, it was easy. But they brought in something called Vaultlanders, which they were essentially they're kind of like almost like hero clicks almost. Like and they're of like different characters in the in the in the universe, and it brings up my favorite character in the game thus far because he is recurring and he is the only he's one of the only characters that you deal with for Vaultlander battles. But just to throw out there, like how every game has had one of the big major corporations be the big bad. For New Tales, it's the Tedior Corporation. And, like, uh, when you're first introduced to the mechanics of how to do a Vaultlander battle, it is a TDR soldier who, like, you fight him multiple times, but literally the way that the game is, or the way that the mechanics are for doing a Vaultlander battle, and it's dumb. I'll, I'll show you a video when we get done recording, but it is literally, they... They show your character because you play as three different characters, so all three characters get a chance to do a Vaultlander battle with the Vaultlander superfan. And they literally put it down on a surface, and literally it is essentially the equivalent of two kids playing with action figures and trying to make them battle, smacking them against each other. And Like Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Pretty much. And it's literally like quick time, quick time events of like mm. you mash, you mash the X button to attack the other vault lander. And then you, you do quick time, like it'll let you, it'll let you attack until it goes to the other vault lander attacking, which you have to do to quick time events of either swipe left, swipe right, or swipe down where you hear like voiceovers, uh, incredible, mommy, I'm scared, and stuff in the background. But you ultimately, when you dodge all the attacks, you get a multiplier because the other vault lander is disoriented. And then at the end of the battle, you get to, you essentially do like a button, like, and button combinations of up, down, left, right, and then X circle square triangle to do for them to do some sort of ultimate attack fatality but the reason i'm saying that it's easy because i didn't know what it was going to be at first one of the trophies is to take claptrap which claptrap is literally the first vault lander that you find out in the like open areas and he is the weakest Vaultlander figure. You have to win a battle with Claptrap. And I did that without losing any health. And literally every Vaultlander battle in the game I was able to do and not lose any health. With Claptrap? 
I didn't do all of them with Claptrap. I just did the first one, but like it didn't matter what character I used. It was I was able to do it without any of them. And like I said, the the super fan was one of my favorites because after that first battle, he'll show up in weird places. Like you'll be in you'll be in Fran's yogurt shop, which Fran is one of the main characters. And, and Anu, which is another one of the main characters, she's looking around in the back and she goes to open the refrigerator and the super fan is just in the refrigerator for some reason and he challenges you to a vault lander battle. And when you beat him, he goes back into the refrigerator and would you like the door shut? Yes, please. Or later <laughs> it's like they're in a morgue and they're in a morgue and... Uh, and she pulls out she pulls out the 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 tray the the table that the bodies the cadaver is going to be on and he's there and he challenges to a vault lander battle i love stuff that's the, that's the kind of humor i love from borderlands that's part of the reason why i love the the whole series so much cuz that this that style of humor is in contrast to like the rest of what you're actually doing storyline story wise in the mm-hmm. game it's just like it Go. It shouldn't work, but it does so well, and I just love it. But they they literally have a point with with the super fan story where he tells you that he lost his job as a TDR soldier, but he's still wearing the armor and the helmet, so you don't see his face. He lost his job because he's he feels that it's more important to honor the code of Voltlander or battles than do his job. Wow. Like, there's literally a point near, like, the end of the main story where there is an X drawn on the floor and there is a handsome Jack figure. And uh, Octavio, which is the third character that you play as, you have him walk up to it and he he just jumps down from the ceiling. It's like, were you in the vents? Yes, breathing asbestos. <laughs> And then when you when you beat him, he sits there and tries to do the ninja move of the smoke or the, the smoke bomb, and then he runs off into the corner. And then when it clears, you see him halfway sticking out of out of like a, a vent hatch on the floor, so his ass is hanging out there. It's, it's like, are you trying to escape through the vent? You can't see me. Smoke is too thick. <laughs> Does I guess he is on the mindset that he's playing Dungeons and Dragons or something. I guess. <laughs> uh, well, in that universe it would be bunkers and badasses, but yeah. So essentially it's kind of like uh Borland's version of Pokémon. Uh essentially, you only uh going through the game which I'm trying to like I've got at least another playthrough where I'm just going to like duplicate my my save cuz it's kind of um I've got I believe two more Vaultlander figures to get, which they are ending related. Well, I was trying to make a Pokemon segue to so I can ah, talk about yeah. Pokemon Violet, but yeah. No. <laughs> um, and other things that I'm doing, I started the PS5 port for. Um, is it PS5 or PS4 port? I'll have to off to check, but I started uh, the original Ape Escape. Okay. And the controls are... I never played Ape Escape for PlayStation. The controls are a lot funkier than I thought they were going to be. They were like that originally. That's one of the things people say. Because like, I, I actually just watched a speedrun of uh, one of the Ape Escape games. And that's one of the things they mentioned. Like it, the controls are weird. And they take a while to get used to. Gotcha. But, I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm playing of it thus far. But, yeah, the controls are taking some getting used to. 
Well, I did fin. Oh, I didn't finish, but I did play more of Pokemon Violet. Still haven't finished it. Probably could have, but just never really took the time to actually finish it. I've I've got like a gym left, I think, and then uh, the Area Zero stuff. Who did you start with? What do you mean? Oh, with Starter? Yeah. I did a Sprigadito, so I have um, Meowskerade. Ah. Or Meowskerada. And really the only reason I picked that is because I never picked the Grass Starter. And I didn't want to be like everyone else and pick uh, Fuecoco and use Skeledurge. Because lit- literally everybody else does. So I'm like, I'm going to do the Grass one this time. Because I never really do Grass. I never really have a strong Grass Pokemon in my playthroughs anyway. Which okay. I probably should. Well, you know, you know the interesting thing that I learned here recently about uh, Skeledurge and it's a, the entire line, right? Is that uh, it is like uh, so the what almost looks like hair on its yeah, it's an egg. on it it turns into it's an egg. nest and when you evolves and then it's the actual bird when it is it is it is a songbird since it is a since it is a uh, fire ghost type. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I knew that. It took a little bit for me to realize that at, uh, at first, too. But then when I saw that there was a little flame bird bouncing around, because that's an actual uh, symbiotic relationship in real life, was uh, mm-hmm. birds and uh, certain birds and alligators mm-hmm. and uh, crocodiles. Yep. So after, And then I went back. I'm like, oh, that's not a sombrero. That's a nest with an egg in it. And then I went back. Oh, that's an egg. Well, that kind of that kind of made me reevaluate because when I started looking at like Pokedex entries, it came up like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it, also in the Pokedex. It's uh, I don't remember the specific way that it puts the Pokemon type. You know, kind of like how it's like oh, it's a uh, it's a it's a turtle Pokemon or whatever. It said oh, something yeah. that was music related. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was. I don't remember either. But now that you mentioned that, yeah, I do remember it was music related. But, I'd have uh, to look it up too. But since you're talking about it, what what did your team end up? being since we're talking pokemon anyway um it was well it's, it's changed a lot like right now okay um, core team right now um you don't have to go into like how like everything but right now it is uh cerulege mascarada um kilowattrel uh i think i have um can't remember what ground type i ended up using i think i have dawn fan because i know i I know I've used Dawnfan and I've used um, Pal- Palisand. I can't remember which one I still have on my team right now. Because I keep switching depending if I need the um, the ghost typing or not. I'm surprised you didn't use Toad Squirrel. I didn't come I didn't come across it soon enough. Mm. Really, because it's only in like one area. I, I'm just still um, interested in it with the dopey animation of the tentacles. They're walking around on what's supposed to be tentacles now. <laughs> And what I've changed it so many times, depending on what gym or what uh what what I'm doing, because I, I have like ten Pokemon I cycle through really. So mm. I think I think right now I have Boizel on there, it's because I needed a water type. But I th- I'd have to get I'd have to turn on my switch to look because like I said I I this is the first Pokemon where I've actually switched a lot because it's a lot easier to get Pokemon. Um, it's a lot easier to find Pokemon, I guess is what I mean. Because they're visible on the map. They, there's, it's not walking through the grass and hoping you get the one that you're looking for. It's you will go to the area you know what's at and you just look for it. So it's a lot easier to get specific Pokemon. So, um, but yeah. So my uh, history with Pokemon's kind of, uh, well, let's, let's just go into. It. I, I was like nine when Pokemon came out. I think I was around that age. So I was like the target audience. <laughs> I was like a nine year old boy. 
and I loved it. I had the games, I had the cards, I watched the anime. Um, I never actually learned how to play the card game that well, and at this point, I would get screwed up if I tried to figure out how to play it, because I don't know if you've messed with it at all, but um, they don't have all the types in the card game. So like they lump types together, like Steel and Rock are both Rock. Uh, psychic and Fairy are both Psychic, because they didn't want to add a bunch of uh, energy cards. Not necessarily that they're Rock, it's that... Uh... So things, they're, they're the same type. Things that they have done. So instead of having rock and or instead of having like rock and ground, they've made rock and ground Pokemon fighting type. Poison types are automatically grass types. Yeah. Um, only here, ever since they they did uh, they brought in fairy types, dragon and fairy type cards have come into existence. Um, they have done a lot of interesting things where, like, certain cards, like, they'll change the typing. Like, um, I think I saw a, I think I saw a wheezing card at one point that is a dark type. But they've also done, they've also done weird cards where, like, if you go and look them up, where they made Charizard into an electric type. That's weird. Yeah, it's so complicated with what I already know as far as typing goes that I would just be so confused trying to play it because mm-hmm. I've listened to or watched like YouTubers. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind is Purple Cliff. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not, but um, he uh, is a TCG player and that then he does Pokemon stuff online too. And every once in a while he gets confused by what's weak to what type because it's not the same in the cards because they have typings that are combined in the cards. So he's like, Oh, this is a this is a metal type. He calls it metal because that's apparently what's called in the TCG. They don't call it steel; they call it metal. Mm. Like, oh, this is a metal type. It's weak to this. I'm sitting there like, no, it's not. And then he uh, um, uses an atta- that that type on that. He's like, it it's not super effective. He's like, oh, that's just in the card game. That's right. But like, uh, um, you're probably familiar with them, uh, Michael from M M and J TV. Oh, yeah. I actually just watched one of his videos. He, he did he did a skit where he's talking about all the different types of people who do Pokemon, and he's like the T like the TCG guy, and he's like he's like look at look at this look at this uh, um, hollow holographic like or first edition uh, Glalie, and the guys like the other guys like. Oh yeah, that is a beautiful ice type. And then the TCG player, what the fuck's an ice type? <laughs> Which is funny because that's one of the original types too. So you'd think it would be in the card game. Yeah, but like like we talked about in the because like uh, flying types are don't exist. They are normal types. And like if you look at if you looked at dragons or if you looked at dragon type. Uh, for the original card game sets, uh, Dratini, Dragonair, and Dragonite were all classified as normal types. I mean, it, before they finally got enough dragons to actually make dragon type a thing in the game. I get why they do that because it's like I think we're up to like what eighteen types now or something like that. Something like that. And um, it would just be way too many cards in a in a deck to support that many different types. You would have to do like what you do with Magic the Gathering and have like, oh, I have an uh, electric rock type, uh, de- uh, or electric rock deck, or um, I have a uh, um, a water um, what let's see, what will be resistant to like rock, water fire deck or something like that. But um, 
Because you would have way too many energy cards to support that many cards, and like three quarters of your deck's going to be energy cards then. Because you'd have to have so many different ones for all the different types. So I get why they did it. It's just it's confusing to go from the TCG to the games. Right. But uh, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, it took me until I was an adult to realize it, but uh, Pokemon is actually a JRPG. And it was actually my introduction to JRPGs. Yeah. Um, and it took me. It, the reason it took me so long to realize it is it doesn't feel like a JRPG. Like it doesn't. I don't get like the same like feeling I get when I play like a Final Fantasy or um, Kingdom Hearts or like one of the uh, um, the Mario RPGs. Like I get like a certain feeling that kind of is general, like kind of the same across those kind of RPGs. But then we, when I play Pokemon, it's completely different. And I think it's because the tone is a lot different in Pokemon. Pokemon the tone's a lot more positive and like cheery, I guess, for the most part. Until you start getting into the storyline, then there's some really dark shit in the storylines. But I was about to say past so Gen one and Gen two and then Gen three, but then when you get to and like I skipped, so I played Gen one, two, three, I skipped, like I didn't really play Gen four and Gen five. Neither and then I. I had a friend convince me or a former friend convince me to give uh, Gen six a shot, and then I've been playing again ever since. But yeah, um, you, you've been playing about as long as I have. Then I thought you've been playing a lot more than that, really, because that's about how I was. I was Gen one and two. I didn't play a whole lot of three, but I'm very familiar with it. Um, Gen four is when I start to fall off, and I don't really um, get back into it knowledge wise until about Gen seven. That's when I start because I think that's X and Y, right? Is Gen seven. Because uh, eight is sun and moon, I believe. Nine is uh, no. Um, gen Gen six was Gen six was X and Y. Gen seven was sun and yeah. Moon. And then eight was uh, sword and shield, and nine is uh, scarlet and violet. That's right. But uh, like like for me, only here like in the last couple of years. Like I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's uh, his name's Cam Steady. He does yeah. um, he does video game rap battles. Um, <laughs> Epic rap battles of history. Well, something similar. There was a whole there was a whole thing where he was he was upset and he he kind of went back and forth with epic rap battles of history because both of them, I think, Cam did a version of uh, Joker versus Pennywise, and then Epic Rap Battles did their version, and we we won't get into that. But um, Cam did a huge collaboration with a bunch of. Um, different artists and i know i name dropped him last time including nate wants to battle was one of them mm -hmm. where it was the pokemon villain cipher it was really good every every artist played a different villain and it went from it went from giovanni all the way to the end of it was mewtwo from from Pokemon, the first movie, or for Japan, Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back. So kind of like what they did for uh, uh, Big Bad Bosses? Very, very similar, but like I realized listening to that rap battle that after Gen, after Gen 3... It got. It started to get dark because uh, essentially the way that they did it was with Gen Four. Cyrus essentially wanted to pretty much destroy the known world and, and then remake rebuild. it yep. in his image. Yep. Like one of the one of the uh, one of the lines in it. Like I don't remember the full line, 
uh, or the full verse, but one of the verses is, I have the divine right to die and become vacant. Jeez. Yeah, that's one of the things people are kind of complaining about is because you have like, um, prima, all the way, really, really from Gen 1, all the way until about, was it uh, 6 or no, so about 7, I believe, was uh, Sun and Moon was, I think, I think it was 7. Um, all of the uh, evil teams are like evil and want to do like some pretty messed up shit. But then you start from then on, they're like jokes. Because like, I believe, I believe Sun and Moon, they're just a bunch of like, uh, Kind of just a bunch of punks, really, aren't they? So they're like sun, a bunch of high school dropouts, is what people, so people keep saying. Sun, so sun and moon, team skull, yes. So sun and moon, they have they technically have two different teams. So there's team oh, skull, yeah. and then there's that, um, and then there's the there's the researcher, there's the foundation that uh, the uh, that Kakui's assistant, yeah, her mother I've, runs. I didn't play much of uh, Sun and Moon, so I forgot about that. But so yeah, I guess they did kind of have like a whole in the world scenario. But the main like advertised evil team uh, is kind of lame. And then really, for, and then for um yeah, like it, Sword and Shield, it had was a bunch of cheerleaders basically. Team Yell was yeah. essentially following following Mar- Marnie, Marnie, but. The Most actual a bunch of cheerleaders is really all, but the actual team itself was wasn't necessarily an evil team. No. It was it was Chairman Rose trying to mm-hmm. prevent the the the, the yeah. calamity he, he, from happening again. He was the true villain, yes, but it's not the same as I guess he had the very Harvey if, Dent if, if, every, sense of mentality for it. Everything just feels so like ridiculously stupid though because you're because it's like the entire time you're fighting these people who who just want to uh have marnie win mm-hmm. and that's like their whole motivation and they're like the equivalent of the evil team for that game because i played all of uh, sword and shield i played that and i played the dlc right and then you don't deal with you don't deal with those who follow chairman rose until the very end, the very the end of the game and they're they're all skill type trainers for and, they're, the most and, part. They're, and they're all pushovers really. yeah um and then in uh, Scarlet and Violet, you have Team Star. And Team Star, the story like for why Team Star exists, um, is really sad because it's just a bunch of bullied people, a bunch of bullies or kids that were bullied basically that kind of banded together and then kind of got out of hand. But again, they're just all really lame. <laughs> you have, and it's the same thing. Like you, you get introduced to the main villain at the end, basically. Mm-hmm. When everything comes together, it's like, oh, this is what's actually going on. This entire time, I've just been fighting a bunch of stupid people. But um, so yeah, I've uh, so I kind of have gone back and forth with Pokemon, but I still really like the franchise. I still really like Pokemon. Um, visually, the game looks about on par for a Pokemon game. There's nothing really that stands out. There's nothing that I really have a, a huge issue with. It released with a lot of bugs. It was, it's probably one of the worst. Probably not. I would say it's probably the buggiest Pokemon game that's released, which I find very interesting because yes. you know Game Freak's usually really good at uh, Game Freak's usually really solid for the most part. Arceus was supposed to be like their their test platform for what they wanted mm-hmm. to do for Scarlet and Violet, well, and that, I feel and Sword that they and Shield also it's kind of been a natural evolution from what they did in Sword and Shield because a lot of the things they did in Sword and Shield carried over to. Uh, Scarlet and Violet, like the Pokemon being visible on the map, the open world, right? I will because this is even more of an open world, but um, yeah. Uh, 
it's almost it it gives the illusion of being open world because it's like you have areas you go into yeah you can go through them but the pokemon there might be 20 levels higher than what your pokemon are mm-hmm. you have access to it but good good luck if you get an, an encounter unless you get really lucky with a quick ball or something but um a lot of people have some problems like uh um like it was very buggy the professor is not named after a tree um they broke that tradition with this game yeah professor uh Sada for Scarlet, and you have Professor Turo for Violet. There's a debate if there is even a regional bird, because the one that most people would consider the regional bird, which would be a Watchroll and uh, evolves into Kilowatchroll, is not available out on Route 1, but there really is no Route 1. There's no routes, really, in this game. Mm-hmm. It's just the different areas you can go into. Not to mention the fact that they uh, break the uh, the tradition of the the regional bird, at least... It's starting form being a normal type. Yes. Because they, the last time that they did that was Gen 6, was the first bird you could catch, or mm-hmm. one of them was uh, Fletchling, and that became, when it evolves into Flessinger, it becomes a fire type. Um, they did it in Sword and Shield. Rookity is a normal type. It, it becomes a steel type, but it evolves into... Um, Cobra Squire, I believe. Right, but I'm saying that that was the first time that they did it. Oh, because they were normal flying. They were normal flying. That's right. They were normal flying before. They changed. They did that for for uh, for X and Y. And I think, well, actually, no. Rookity is pure flying. That's right. Because only, that's what I was thinking. Because of. only two Pokemon in the entire in the entire series are pure flying type, and they are Rookity. And Tornadus. Oh, yeah. Um, so, one of the things they did really good is there's three different storylines for, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. You have um, the typical Pokemon story for Victory Road. You, you have, have the Treasure uh, Hunt, right? Uh, no. Oh, well, that's... No, that is basically, like, the excuse they give you to go out and explore, even though you're supposed to be part of the Academy. That's like, every student in the Academy has to find their, their own treasure, Gotcha. So then that's your excuse, like, oh, why? Well, they're, if they're in the academy, why aren't they going to classes? Well, they're out finding their treasure. Gotcha. So that's that's what that is referencing. You have um, Starfall, which is um, your storyline that it deals with the uh, quote-unquote evil team. And then you have, I forget what it's actually called, but it's like the Legendary Titans, where you go and you find all, find all the Titan Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was my favorite. That's the one I started with. Um I'm, well, I started doing it because that's how you unlock all the uh, mobility upgrades for your ride Pokemon. So, because at the beginning of the game, you get you get the box legendary at the beginning of the game, but you can't battle with it because storyline wise, it's weak because it got in a battle with something that weakened it. So you have to restore its power, and that's how you restore its power is through the legends or the legendary Titans storyline. And each time you complete one of the Titans, you get one of the mobility. So you get. Uh, boost, so you run faster, mm-hmm. climb, high jump, swim, and uh, glide. Right. Um, and those pretty much would take place of the HMs, which that kind of started... Um, did they have that in Sun and Moon, or did that start in Sword and Shield, where you don't have to have the HMs anymore? Uh, that was... So they started that in Sun and Moon, because the way that they did that for Sun and Moon was you got... Mm-hmm. You got mounts. So as far as that's what, right, they started what, the mounts. There. What would have been Rock Smash? You got you got Tauros. Okay. Um, 
for strength, and that was weird. Like, I always laughed whenever I used strength, because your, your quote-unquote wide ride Pokemon was a... Uh, um, a Machamp, so it's cradling you in say, two seen, of its arms. I, was saying, I thought that was funny looking too. Um, as far as flying, it's Charizard, and then there are some where you get where you get two different ones because, like, you get uh, um, you get Lapras for Surf, but you also get um, you also get Sharpedo as well because Sharpedo will do the same do the same thing as Tauros, but in water. Yeah, that's kind of a welcome change to me, though, because the HM moves were kind of useless, in my opinion, anyway, except for, like, maybe Surf, Fly, and Dig. They were kind of useless in battle. Well, Dig wasn't wasn't an HM. Dig was a... Oh, I I kind of think of it as, like, an HM, though. Right. There there were certain ones that they changed because, like, uh, um, Rock Smash went from being a TM to an HM. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to talk about um, some of the, uh, like, the new... uh, um, Mechanics they added for this game. So the main one they added was a uh, terrestrialization, which I wish it was implemented better. It doesn't really add any difficulty in my opinion. Because what they should have done is for like the last couple of uh, gym leaders, they should have had their Pokemon that they terrestrialize, which basically it changes the type of the Pokemon. It can change the type of the Pokemon, or it boosts the uh, type that like if you terrestrial if you're a psychic Pokemon, you terrestrialize. Uh, into into psychic, your psychic moves are boosted, basically. Gotcha. Or you can go, you can change the type of the Pokemon. Because I didn't really understand that. Because like any like with Chris playing, because I haven't really played Scarlet and Violet. Watching her play with like some of her Pokemon, like I've seen that for the most part, it's their their third typing, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is one of the typings that they already mm-hmm. exist. Or it already exists, but I've also heard that there is a way where it's like you find shards or something, and you can actually you have to get a ton of them though. You can change that terrestrialized mm-hmm. type. You, you might as well try to find one that's already that type because it takes a ton of shards to change them. Mm-hmm. So basically, I wish they would have changed it to or the because each gym leader terrestrializes a Pokemon into their type. I wish they would have done the opposite, and uh, um. I wish they would have had it so like the last couple of gym leaders, they have a Pokemon that's base type is the gym type that terrestrializes into something else, because I feel like that would have added more. So all in all, I, f- I think it kind of feels gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Paradox Pokemon, that's the other one they added, and I like the Paradox Pokemon. I feel like Paradox and um, the, uh, Divergent Evolution are probably going to take the place of uh, regional variants, because there's no point to having regional variants anymore, really. Because regional variants, the whole point is they're supposed to be specific to that region. So how are you supposed to have them in other Pokemon regions without ha- having some kind of weird explanation? Because it, it, it causes issues like, oh, there's a new game trade where I can get a trade me this Pokemon, I'll give you a Meowth. Well, is it going to be a Ketonian Meowth, a Galarian Meowth, or a Alolan Meowth? Because it doesn't necessarily say. So they're probably going to do a whole thing where they change it instead of it being regional variant it might be a it might be a con- not divergent convergent evolution because i mean because that because that, it's basically a whole new pokemon at that point yeah because that was one of my complaints from what i was seeing thus far is they couldn't they did a couple of they did a couple regional variants a couple of new evolutions for regional variants they did 
they did the convergent evolutions, and then they also did the past and present paradox Pokemon, which, for me personally, the future ones didn't really make a lot of sense because they all look like machines and as far as i'm concerned the way that they've done pokemon if it looks like a machine it should be steel type yeah they had uh, the future ones had to grow on me i kind of like them now but it took a while for me to essentially i liked i liked it it's not my favorite Pokemon, I feel like, but I feel like it's too easy. I had the same problem with Sword and Shield. I felt like Sword and Shield was too easy. I feel like that's just general with Pokemon now. It's getting way too easy. All in all, it gets mildly distracting for me. Well, I mean, and it also might be too easy because they're trying to do the trend of, like, they know that the majority of their audience has basically been following Pokemon since the early days. And they've probably dumbed down the difficulty because I agree with you. Like, I don't like the fact that the last couple of games, you can't turn EXP share on. Or if you can, I haven't figured out how to do it. I don't like having EXP share on. I don't like it. Unless... Either. Sometimes it's it's helpful, but a lot of times I don't like it. Because you catch a Pokemon, you're trying to level it up to ma- catch up with the rest of your Pokemon. You can't unless you put everything in a box and Be- just trade in. Because I know, like, with the team for my main playthrough, so my sword playthrough, my my team was, or my team is, uh, Decidueye, Blaziken, Blastoise, Metagross, Toxtricity, and um, and Tyranitar, half or like almost like a good chunk of my team are in the or are the Pokemon that take longer. The slow they they yeah, they the slow you group, have to the slow group. yeah the slow group for grinding. So like there are certain Pokemon that I never get or like I would get upset because the EXP share can't be turned off. So like I wouldn't get to use Decidueye a lot because like I am one of those where I try to make sure that everyone's levels are the same. I don't like I don't like doing favoritism like training up specific Pokemon, but. I felt like I had to do that a lot with Sword and Shield because, you know, the Pokemon that I chose, the majority of them were the slow EXP types, so, like, I couldn't use Toxtricity a lot, I couldn't use Decidueye a lot, because mm-hmm. they would they would get levels faster than the others would. So I think we're just about out of time, unfortunately. We couldn't get to everything I wanted to, but um, I guess we'll real quickly go over uh, what do you... Uh, what what are you going to play? What are you going What are you going to watch? Um, continuing to play Tales from the Borderlands, um, playing Ape Escape, and um, I might have something else on the list. Like I told you before, I've got a fairly long backlog, so nice. we will see. And as far as as far as watching, um. The Good Doctor, and I don't know what else I'm going to be watching right now. It it depends on it depends on how work goes from day to day, from week to week. So uh, I think I'm going to be watching uh, Ahsoka. It's one of my uh, one of my favorite Star Wars characters, and I kind of been putting off watching it. It's because I'm uh, I'm scared of what they might have done to it. It's because of Disney's track with Star Wars lately. But I've heard some pretty positive things. I've seen some pretty positive things, so I'm going to give it a shot. 
um, what am I going to be playing is I want to play uh, Baldur's Gate 3, but I think I'm going to get or wait until I get a PS5 before I get that. So I'm still probably going to end up uh, finishing uh, Medieval and seeing how well that lines up with the uh, original one. But uh, anyway, thanks for watching or thanks for watching this for listening. <laughs> we will uh, we'll see you guys again in two weeks. So uh, in the meantime, don't get too distracted.